listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast. Join your hosts as we review video games from all systems and all genres. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Zap Night. I'm your host, Danny. I'm your co-host, Kaylee. This is episode 54, and we are talking about a video game. (laughs) Very good. A video game, (laughs) a Final Fantasy video game. And this video game includes a power-hungry empire who is mining magic source, um, a, a science experiment on humans creating a super soldier who's able to wield magic, um, a failed science experiment did I say that already? Failed science failed science experiment turning one of the super soldiers into a power hungry uh, antagonist. Um, a girl with very special ancestral or very special ancestry um, who is sought after by the Empire. <laughs> a guy who promises to protect her at any cost. Um recruiting a team of other powerful and magic wielding friends to take down this crazy antagonist. And then the antagonist seeks to destroy the world and stop and is stopped by the team of friends. Does this sound familiar? Yes. It sounds like final fantasy seven. Yes. <laughs> it is not. We are talking about final fantasy six. Sorry for the weird intro. What am I pulling a Seth and Evan or what? Seth and Evan. You kind of forgot about well, I guess if you're comparing it to seven, I was I was a little disappointed you didn't mention the Ungabunga guy. Why? What's the Ungabunga guy? One of your one of your like fifty billion characters. Right? Yeah, I know, but what does that have to do with seven? I don't. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> I was a little disappointed till you you were. Uh, oh, I see. I wasn't gonna go through the whole story. I, wasn't I was just. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I just wanted to make note that those those so things those things are very specific to six, but they're also weirdly specific to seven as well. Um, and honestly, I've noticed that this game is very similar in many many ways to Final Fantasy VII. So in any case, um, today we're talking about Final Fantasy VI. We beat it. Yay! Today, somehow, finally. So today. We started in May. We did. Yeah, we did. And this has been a long game. I forgot to write down my n- time. Yours was... What was yours? Yours was like 35 hours. Mine was like 37. I thought mine was like 45 hours. Hang on. I wrote it down. Yours was 37.59. Almost 38 hours. Which we kind of knew going into this that it was going to be a really long game. It was going to be... Yeah, that we were we were thinking that it was going to be about a forty hour game, which by far has been the longest since we started the Final Fantasies, in somewhat somewhat order. Right. <laughs> um, mine was forty five fifty six. I thought it was thirty five hours for no, some reason. Forty five fifty six. So an extra like ten hours for me. Um, I played it specifically on the Super Nintendo version. You played it on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I think the biggest problem that I had as far as like time management was that um, I I had to level all of my characters individually where you didn't have no. to do that. 
So, and we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that, but that's where the time difference comes in. Um, so this game was developed by Square at the time. Uh, I don't know if it was Soft. Square, Square, or SquareSoft. I think it was SquareSoft. Yeah. Yes, SquareSoft booklet is right there. SquareSoft. So um, it was developed and produced by SquareSoft. It was released on the Super Nintendo in 1994. Um, and then it was re-released as Final Fantasy Anthologies uh, in on the PlayStation 1 in 1990. Sorry, 1999. 1990. <laughs> <laughs> we went back in time. Very weird. Time travel included. <laughs> um, and then it was re-released on the Game Boy Advance uh, in 2007. Um, and that's just North America. It kind of varies a couple years uh, for the, the Japanese, area. but North America, those were the release dates. However, the PAL region, so like the UK and those, they didn't see this game until the PS1 release in 2002. Wow. So yeah, I don't know why, but those poor guys didn't. Now, the, so there's a funny thing, and we kind of talked about this when we played Final Fantasy IV. So this game is Final Fantasy VI. It is the sixth release in the Final Fantasy series. Uh, but in the North America, it's Final Fantasy III. You mean North America? Yes. Okay. What did I say? No, you're right. Yeah, so in North America, it, w it was Final Fantasy III. And that's because in North America, Final Fantasy I was Final Fantasy I in North America. Final Fantasy IV was Final Fantasy II in North America. And Final Fantasy VI was Final Fantasy III in North America. And then we got reset when Final Fantasy VII hit, and it was called Final Fantasy VII in North America. So, like, very confusing, very weird. But that's why my, my game cartridge and some of the other, like... Um, official stuff out there it says Final Fantasy 3, but it really is the Final Fantasy 6, the sixth uh, Final Fantasy game in the Final Fantasy series. So that's out of the way. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to like it announce, really I have to announce this every time that we have one of these episodes where we are talking about that, like, like Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 6 and Final Fantasy 3. It's, it's, confusing and it's stupid i don't know why they did it that way we don't way. have to talk about it anymore we don't yeah this time. is it yeah this is it final fantasy 7 is gonna be amazing Yay. anyway um but yeah the pal didn't pal region didn't see it until the playstation version unfortunately um but yeah very interesting similarity similarities to final fantasy 7 but we can uh let's get into the story so your game begins with the Empire, which they renamed it in mind to like Emperor Gestalia or something like that. Really? So, yeah. There's quite a few different things compared to your version to my version. Like they didn't really specify. It was just the Empire. It was just yours. the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> um. In any case, you start off um, with the Empire who has been using these espers, which they're like magical beings they're the summons yeah. that they use them as summons they use, but they game. use magic which at this time there's really no magic anymore right um anyway they've been using these espers to fuel their various forms of magitech and magitech like research that they've going on which is just magical research i think is just like they're 
shrunk down into magic. <laughs> yeah, they're they're essentially like farming the espers to fuel their magic yeah. source. But um, at the beginning, you don't really know what's going on. So they get kind of word that the uh, the mining city of Narsh has dug up this like frozen esper that's been encapsulated in like ice and all that. And they actually send out three Imperial soldiers to go retrieve this this Esper. Um, one of which is your one of your one of your many main characters, Terra, who is actually under control of the Empire via this like they call it the Slave Crown in mind. I don't know if they call it yours. Yeah, I think they did. Which I think is such a weird name to I mean, it was a mind control device. Um, in any case, so they plow through this town trying to find this Esper and when they actually confront it, something happens between Terra and the there's a reaction esper, between yeah. the Esper and Terra. Um, and uh, she, she basically she blacks out, and you wake up in this like random dude's house, which is very alarming. <laughs> yeah, about the same thing. I'm like, okay. Um, but the guy actually removes her crown because he finds her. I don't know. I guess the other two like Imperial. They died yeah. in the in whatever reaction happened between yeah, Terra and... They're the only ones that have ever been named. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was Biggs and Wedge. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, but, yeah. So, she wakes up and this crown is gone and she's regained... She, she doesn't regain her memories, but she has control, basically, over her mind and what She realizes playing. that she was under control. Um, so... In an attempt to still retrieve this Esper, Kefka, who he is—he's just a general, isn't he? Um, I think he was the—I think he was the chancellor. <laughs> was he? I didn't want to say chancellor, sure. but I'm like, it's I'm always the chancellor. It's always the chancellor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was the chancellor, or like, yeah, the like war general i yeah, think yeah war general i think that might have been um it. i think that they i think that they call him by both so i or um um he is a man of power yeah yeah he was power. like the second man from the emperor himself um so in any case by going to retrieve this esper you actually the empire going to retrieve this esper actually results in another encounter with uh terra and this esper um and so sorry i don't don't mean to interrupt but to back up a little bit tara when she wakes up at that random guy's house um the random guy is actually part of a group of the returners and the returners are like a resistance to the empire and um they are kind of trying to talk her into helping them fight back against the empire mainly because she has this mysterious use of magic that nobody else has so obviously she's a prime like individual to help fight back and so she is you know kind of persuaded more or less to help the returners fight and push the empire back and that's when kefka comes and re-infiltrates the the town of narsh trying to retrieve that esper and that's when uh tara and the returners including Locke and like sabin and i think edgar at the time celeste there too um, yeah yeah she was because yeah. she has also been infused with her like this. whole backstory we're not we're trying not to go into all the backstories but yeah there's there's a lot of different members that you meet along the way and so they many. all they all kind of get together and join the returners to fight back against the emperor the emperor and the empire and kefka uh who's coming into narsh to retrieve the esper 
Nice. Nicely worded. Yeah. I'll do what I can. <laughs> so with us encountering this Esper for a second time, it actually has that same reaction again. And it sends Tara into this like frenzy almost. Yeah, like she, a crazed state. She turns all like glittery. Yeah, she <laughs> she like she turns all like purpley white and then just flies out like screaming. And um, she flies off and heads to a different continent. And that's when the your now team is going to find going her, to basically. find her. And so they actually come across uh, the Esper Rama. And he has actually escaped from the capital city of the Empire called Vector. And Rama tells them that in order to really get Terra to snap out of this, that she could really benefit from the help of the Espers that have actually been captured by the Empire inside the Empire's capital. I don't think at this time that the team really understands no, what's going on. About it. What's going on with Terra? Like he knows what's uh, Rama knows what's going on with Terra, but the team doesn't really understand. But they're kind of going off of this blind faith that Rama knows. So they're, you know, obviously the Empire's doing something shady in this Vector town. So they're going to Vector to figure out, one, what's going on, and two, to help free the other captors. So the party goes to Vector, and they actually learn that what the Empire has been using these espers for, which they didn't even realize that they were using these espers. But basically, they've been draining them of their magical power to really help fuel their magitech and all of their weapons and research and all that. Um, so the espers, when you finally, they, Kefka was like, when they were done, they were like ditching them at the, like the bottom of this pit and stuff. Yeah. Really and he didn't know. Them. And, and you find out about Sid too, in this part. Oh yeah. And Sid is the one who's been like leading the research on the espers and Sid's pretty much fed up with it too. Like he doesn't agree with the way the they're going about this research where basically all these espers are locked in tubes and being sucked of their energy source and then thrown into a pit. Well, when you finally go and you find the espers, they actually reveal that their magic source can be condensed into a single magicite gem. And when they do this, it kills them, but it grants the holder of that gem their magical power. So that's kind of where you start infusing yourself with the magic of the magicite and collecting all the different magicites and using them in battle. But in any case, this is where you find them. And they condense themselves yes, into the so crystal and, and give you their power. So that they can use them to really... Right. And you take those back to Terra. Yes. So you return to Terra, and Terra actually reacts to them, and it calms her down. And actually, she reacts to a specific magicite that we were debating on how this is pronounced. <laughs> We've decided on Madoon. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, which gives her her memory back. Because, well, not really her memory, but I guess her memory, but her backstory as well. Right, yeah. Because up until that point, she had no idea who she, she even was. Right. So ever since she had the crown on... She couldn't remember her, her history. And then when she interacts with these espers, it brings back her memory. And that's where she tells the story of, you know, where she came from and really what, who espers are. As How they a got group. into this world. Because right. Because they didn't belong in that world to begin with. Right. Um, 
Uh, so the Returners actually ask Terra to go back to the Esper world to help convince these Espers to help fight against the Empire, who has been obviously using their their people as right. batteries. Well, let's, sorry, I'm going to back you up no, again. Um, Terra's backstory, I wanted to talk about that because it's kind of important to the overall story. Terra is, you find out when she gets her memory back, you find out that Terra is half human and half Esper. And it shows that, you know, the world could, the, the two worlds could co- come together and, and work in harmony, though they don't currently. And the Espers live in the world of Espers, a different, like, dimension from the humans, but there's a gate between the two. And currently it's sealed, but they are trying to, they're, they're asking Tara to go and unseal the gate because she's the only one that could go and convince the people, the, the espers to come and aid in the fight back against the empire, which at this point, the espers have every reason to because the espers themselves are, have been trapped. (laughs) So they have every reason to. So she actually agrees to go and you go through the process. And as Tara goes to the esper world, they're unexpectedly followed by the Emperor and Kefka, who end up taking these three specific ta- statues. They're called the Warring Triad. Yeah. Um, and by messing with these statues, it actually causes a continent on Earth to rise into the floating island. Yeah, these statues aren't just like... Statues. Statues. They're like the balance of magic that c- exists in the world. And they're placed very specifically to keep that balance... And as Kefka moves these around, it causes an imbalance in the world. And he's able to manipulate the world, and he's able to manipulate magic as a whole, causing the continent to break away and float away. And um, all right, you can kind of continue I mean, yeah, from there. I mean, your team, your team actually goes to the island via airship, and they confront both the Emperor and Kefka. And this, this is the kind of the turning point, because Kefka at this point has just been part of the empire where this is the turning point where he's actually going really insane really I mean, he's always been insane yeah he was insane to begin with um and he actually ends up killing the emperor sure um so with murdering the emperor he also messes with the alignment of these statues which is what he was after to begin with um then this upsets the balance of magic in the entire world really and it kind of it nearly destroys it it basically the earth the the earth's um crust like crumbles apart and breaks apart and um the earth itself starts to die and you see that like the land starts to decay and the water starts to blacken and you know the team tries to leave the continent before it breaks apart and they escape through the um they escape with the airship, but the airship gets caught in the, I don't know, in the chaos. And, um, the team ends up being scattered across the world. And then you're joined with, then, then you follow Tara or sorry, Celeste. Celeste. It's been a whole year. Yeah. A year later. She's been in a, she's been in a coma for a whole year, which I have beef with this because she just gets up and starts walking. <laughs> she gets, she gets up and starts fishing. She's like, Oh no. Cause she wait. Okay. So she wakes up and she's with, um, Sid, Sid. And, um, because 
so a little backstory of Sid because he was the the scientist pulling the magic from the espers. He was also infusing the soldiers with magic. the magic. And Kefka was the first one. Which is what destroyed his mind. It was a failed one. And you learn from like one one little conversation with, I'm surprised you know this. Yeah, I did. (laughs) One little conversation with the soldier that says like, yeah, Kefka was actually like a failed failed experiment by, by Sid. And you find this out and, you know, it turns out that Sid was the one who was infusing all these and... Sid has a special relationship with Celis uh, because she was infused with the Esper magic from a very young age. So her and Sid are kind of like grandparent. Yeah, she she ends up calling him granddad, which is really weird. It it is because it kind of comes from nowhere. Like I understand their hi- like I understand that there's history there, but from like my point of view, it, it came out of strange, nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, the whole a whole year has passed, which I think is still very strange to me. <laughs> She's in a coma for a whole Seriously, year. And she, I think it's just to show that the time has passed. Time Everybody has, has moved around. Time has passed. People have moved around, and cities are starting to rebuild as best they can, saying that humanity's fighting back. Not necessarily that they can, but they're trying. It also seems kind of like a cop out for like, well, that's how because Kefka actually builds a tower and there's also another tower like dedicated to him yeah the followers of kefka and so uh, basically it shows that passages of time has happened and things are just different right awake so when celeste wakes up and she's sid tells her about all these things that are going on that kefka um, is kind of ruling the world with the the, what is what is it that they call that beam oh yeah the is it the Tower of Judgment or something the, like that? The Light of Judgment? Light of Judgment. Something yeah, like that. Because you see it's like a beam. And, and it like destroys towns sometimes whenever Kefka feels like it. And um, some towns get hit worse than others. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of what... He's, he's acting from, God, basically. From, from, from Celeste's point of view, he is... It's terrible. Well, from everyone's point of view, it's terrible. (laughs) So she goes out and seeks to find the rest of the group. So um, she has to hunt down the whole team, which is, you know, once once you get to this world of ruin part, you're about at the halfway point. Like, you have all the... It's very linear up to this point. And then once you, like... There's a few linear things that you don't have a choice but to do. And then it becomes an open world game and you can do whatever you want. And it kind of gets confusing after that. It, yeah, it definitely gets <laughs> confusing. But the point is, Celeste goes and finds the whole group again. Tara, Locke, um, Edgar, Sabin, Gao. All 20 of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Is there 20? No. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> no. I don't, I, I, I'm sure we could count them out. Anyway, um, so she finds, she rounds them all up and they, f- they found, they find a new uh, airship and they make their way to Kefka and they go to Kefka's tower and they confront, um, the statues are actually turned to monsters or maybe their original form. I don't, I don't really know. But this, you you fight the statues and you break the statues down, which should disrupt the power 
of Kefka. Of Kefka, but it doesn't because Kefka's absorbed all of the power from the statues. So you go and you confront Kefka himself, who is still in he's kind of still the same person. He's just like more he's like he's he knows <laughs> he he feels like he knows that he's the most powerful thing in the world, so he's arrogant like that. So you fight Kefka, you kill Kefka as you do. And because Kefka infused himself with the power of the statues, the magic source and the magic balance is completely gone. And so magic begins to fade from the world as well as espers. And everyone's kind of concerned that Tara's going to disappear too, but because her heart is so strong or something with human life that she can be fully human instead of half and half, I guess. Um, cause that's how it works. <laughs> cause that's how it works. Um, and so she, she gets to live and she's, you know, she rejoices with the rest of the world and, um, she gets to be a mommy. Yeah. Kind of to these orphan children. Yeah. Lots and lots of orphan <laughs> children. Um, but yeah. And then the world kind of returns back to normal, I guess. Just rebuild. Yes. Basically. And I think that that was part of what what they were trying to get across to Kefka. Like it doesn't matter how many times you destroy these towns, they're going to keep rebuilding right. as long as they possibly can. That's just human nature. Just the power of love. <laughs> so yeah, that, that really is the gist of final fantasy six in a nutshell. There's a lot of backstory to every single one of these characters. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of character development, um, a big turning point for me, like I, okay. So I wasn't really invested in the story. Like the first, the like yeah. five to 10 hours. I, I really didn't want to play this game. And then we got to the, um, the opera house and I fell in <laughs> love with this game at the opera house. I hated the, like, okay. So I played this game once before quite a few years back. I don't remember a whole lot of it playing it again, but I didn't like the the opera house the first time through, and this time I freaking loved it. It was so great. Um, I guess just to tell that story, like your your goal, you go to the opera house following somebody who has an airship, and you're hoping to encounter this guy who has the airship. But uh, Celeste has to do perform in the opera in order to get kidnapped by the guy who has the airship. She's posing as Maria, right? Apparently, she's a yeah and when you start it's it's basically Locke and uh celeste and Locke is saying okay you should be in this place so that maybe you'll get captured and you'll get to go on to the airship and you're this general of the empire so you should just be able to tear down this guy and steal the airship right but she's so excited <laughs> to be in this performance and you see it and it's like you know, there's there's a little bit of character development prior to this part for Celeste, but like this moment, it's like she plays all nervous, but in reality, she's, she's like excited. super excited, and it's just it's so cute to see her like nervous and excited, and then you you have to like learn the lines so that you get the play right, otherwise you lose and you got to try again. It's just it's cute and it's fun, and I enjoyed it. It was like the one sweet thing of this game. Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> Ultras was kind of a comic relief. A little bit. I like they have, Ultras. They have one of those, like, 
it seems like every Final Fantasy has one of those like wonky bosses that's just there to kind of be annoying. Like Big, Biggs and Wedge is kind of like that in Final Fantasy VIII. Like you got to yeah. fight Biggs and Wedge over and over and over again, and they're just like goofy like bosses. But that's kind of how Ultros was. I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like him at all. So, um, yes. <laughs> What'd you give it for a story, first off? I gave it a nine. I gave it a nine also. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I gave it a nine also. You know, one of the things I wanted to mention, which will also kind of segue into my other thing, this Sid seemed like he had the least, like, Sidness to him and of all the games prior. Yeah. Like, he really was not there a whole lot, and he looked like, he looked very strange. <laughs> I know what you were going to say. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, no. Sid, yeah, he he is, like, kind of a weird character in this game. It's like they kind of expected you to know, like, yeah, you know what a Sid does. So, yeah, he's this guy doing this. Like, it, he wasn't there. He, he really didn't have much on-screen time and then when you threw the whole grandpa thing in there it was just like huh it was like they were trying to make him this important character and he kind of wasn't yeah and then like for me anyway when you're on the deserted island you have this option to save sid from like i don't know pneumonia or something <laughs> yeah, he was sick and um if you don't save him, he dies. Not that it really impacts the story a whole lot, but like you could save him or he dies. And my, in my game, he died. He died in mine too. Um, and you know, really, it was sad. I was sad for Celeste, but like it wasn't eh. really that yeah. impactful because like I well, didn't know the character that well. And to me, to me as a first time player, like he was in the Empire doing Empire stuff. To me, he was bad. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. <laughs> and like he knew that they were doing these things to the espers and just then had a change of heart. It was like Well, okay, so you do see him later in the or you do see him when you go and invade the Empire at the like Magicite factory or whatever. Factory. And um he does help your party out in trying to escape and trying to, you like, know... That doesn't make things better, dude. I know. Like, this, this is a terrible thing you've done. No, I and know. it's not like he unknowingly did it. Like, he knew what he was doing. He was... He was... Draining the these one beings, developing all yeah. the All the science behind the Magitech stuff. So, yeah, I don't... I don't know. It's um, weird. The other thing... I realize that there's so many characters and there's, I mean, it was already a four, like a 40 hour game, roughly. I, of all the stories to have backstory, I would have wanted more of Celeste and maybe even Tara of like how, cause you know that they took over her mind, like Tara's mind. They took over Tara's mind. And how, how did that right, come to how be? Did, because you know, in, in the backstory of um, Tara coming to the world after being born as half human, half Esper, you know that she's a baby when the Empire has her, so what about this growing up process? And what about Celeste? No, 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 no. So the way that I understand Tara's backstory is that her mom comes to the Esper world somehow, just shows up one day, and the Espers are like confused about her being there, and um, they are going to esc her or escort her back, but she ends up saying, you know, I don't really like anybody back in my world. Let me just stay here. And they're weary about it because she's human. But like one of the one of the guys, one of the expert men like her enough to, 
help her stick around. They end up having a baby and the emperor shows up or the empire shows up and her, and they escape, don't they? The mom and Tara, they escape back to the human world. Oh, and I that's, see. I think that was it. Like they just escaped. Like they didn't necessarily, I don't think the emperor took the empire. Took uh, that's Tara. the way I understood it. But again, they don't really explain. Yeah, it. I know. And they don't really, it, explain. it was a very brief segment. Yes. It was like Tara's me- memory came back and then you had a cut scene of her memory and it was like very brief and didn't explain everything super well. So, I mean, and, and plus it was a long time ago in our story. So like, I don't know exactly. I didn't like make notes as I was playing. The other thing though. Maybe I should start though. I, the, and that's kind of the other thing. Like this is the one thing preventing it. There's a couple things preventing it from being a 10, but it still was a nine to me. But who is the main character? Because to me, I thought it was Tara. And so to not have enough backstory is just like, really, yeah. there is no main character. Everyone is a character. I would <laughs> say the main characters would be Tara, Locke, and Celeste. I think those are the main characters. Which, again, almost none of them have that much back. I can understand Locke not having much of a backstory, but Celeste and Tara seem like kind of like the grandpa thing like you couldn't well, throw I mean, a little bit of more extra dialogue you in get there. you get a backstory for all of them i mean you don't get a whole lot but i mean you get a little bit for all of them and yeah i would have liked to have seen a little bit more from all of them but i mean you get what you get i mean it's a little bit from all of them and you have so many characters that a little bit from all of them is not a terrible thing you get a lot of story now what about gogo the yeti they were just fillers. Mog. They were just fun little side quests. That's really all they were. It was kind of an annoyance. Shadow was a huge annoyance to me. Yeah, me too. And I felt like he could have been enjoyable if he was a mandatory character, but this wishy-washiness... I think that Shadow's character was a filler character. He was a character that they needed They needed a, an empty spot in your party, so they threw Shadow in who could just randomly leave when you're about to get another character. And that happened a lot, and I noticed that too much, that he would just like magically be like, well, I'm out, and then would disappear just as you're about to get another character in. So it was like they were, they were trying to give you enough characters to be able to fight through the area that you were in, but like he wasn't important to the story enough. And see, that was kind of a <laughs> it was shame. dumb. If he was, I would have been interested in his character a lot more. Because, yeah. like, the dog was kind of, like, Interceptor. I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, I don't know. I just... Those few things... Made it, it weird. It was such a good game. Like, the story really was good, though. I really The main the story. story was really good. I was a little disappointed with the second half of the story because it was like the first, the first half of the story with, you know, the everything prior to the world of ruin, like everything in the main world. That was great story. Really? I think it's the other way around. That was, that was the story of the game. Then the world of ruin happens and you are given this open world and that's it. Like you, you have this open world and your goal is find your characters and kill Kefka. Like, that's it. That's your goal. You kind of get backstory of some of your characters as you go along and some, like, what things that they've been doing in that past year. But that's about it. Like, there's no, like, st- like overall story impacting things that are going on. I think with 
Kefka's character specifically, like, you realize that he's already insane, but him breaking and really seeing that insane spiral is really what... I wanted to know more about Kefka, I guess. Me too, yeah. And, you know... The the one downside too is after you awaken as Celeste, you don't see Kafka till you the very yeah, end, which don't. is really sad because he's such a great villain. He, I have played every Final Fantasy. He's a true villain. I villain. have played I, the only Final Fantasies I haven't played to completion is Final Fantasy eleven and Final Fantasy fourteen. So I can't attest to those two, but Final Fantasy one through fifteen. Uh, minus those two, Kefka is the best villain, period. Sephiroth is cool, but like Kefka is just pure evil. He's just, he's so evil. And <laughs> I just, I I like that about him. I do <laughs> like, he makes well, for the best villain. What I have been saying over the past couple Final Fantasies is you always want the the villain to have like a backstory. Why are you like this? What is right? Yeah. And for Kefka, it seems like such a pure, like it's, it's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it. He's just insane. But on the flip side, he's insane. And you see it. And and even the empire knows it. And I love that. I love that so much. So like, as as you're (laughs) playing the game, like even the soldiers in the towns are like, man, Kefka's insane. Like they're like, everybody else is fine. But man, Kefka, ever since he came around, it's been crazy. And you know he goes in like poisons of an entire yeah. village for no reason. Like he does this, and everyone else is like, "There's so many other ways we could have gone about this. We didn't have to kill." And he's Civilians. like, "Kill them all! Just, just kill, 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 kill!" You know, he's just he's crazy, and it's great. <laughs> I he, mean, it's great for the story. No, yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't killing. Civilians. I don't, I don't personally like evil people. It's just if right. you're going to have evil in a game like this this is like the best villain i could possibly form my (laughs) husband gives me flack for this but i i do appreciate like a good villain and this it really is i i can't i can't attest for all the rest of the fantasies but by far of of even media besides final fantasy yeah yeah it is a really one of my favorite villains kefka really is like the best villain his his laugh I know his laugh. I love his laugh. It's just, it's so iconic. They did so good about that. You see Kefka though, later depicted kind of like with a clown, like he wasn't, he wasn't really, he wasn't very clown. Like, like, I mean, it's still, it was fine. Like, his character design of they've made him now is fine to me. Uh, but it's still, You're talking like Dissidia yeah, and yeah. But like thinking about him like that fighting in the Empire is like, why would you be dressed like that? <laughs> I think that they did they did like overdress him in the game. Like you can tell that he's a little bit crazier than you know the rest the rest of like the emperor himself was dressed in very formal. I mean, right. it, from the the pixel sprites that you're like given, a, yeah. he's very he formal. Like emperor, emperor, emperor uh, where Kefka really was a little crazier dressed, crazier colors, not so muted, very bright and vivid, and yeah. you could tell that he was a little crazy. <laughs> and I think that that's they were going for that, and th- I think that they pushed that from just like crazy outfit to like clown, and I don't I don't think that really matches right 
the essence of what they were going for in the game, but I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I think that in this, or, um, in Dissidia, Dissidia? Yeah. I think that his outfit is a little over the top. And the way he like dances around yeah. is a little over the top. I think his character is completely, not completely, but a little more different than how he was in yeah. the game, too. Because while he was insane, he wasn't like... I don't he think was, he. I don't think he was trying to be funny. Right. I don't think he was trying to be comedic in any way. I think he was just so crazy that it came off as awkward and like he might be comedic, but I think that they were just going for pure insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kefka is the best villain. I honestly, he yeah. he made this game so much better. If it wasn't, if it was like Sephiroth instead, I think it would have been a little more moody and. Blah. We could talk about this more in music later too, but I thought his theme music was perfect for him. Perfect. We will talk about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> So graphics. Speaking of those pixel sprites. Yes. What did you give graphics? A ten. Really? Yes, I did. I gave it an eight. Really? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the downfalls then. I think my the only bad thing that I could say about it was that um I kind of wish that the Espers had more movement. And I say this about all the Final Fantasy games. I know that Final Fantasy VII, they have an animation, which is different. But, like, I really, for some reason, my brain says that at some point, one through six, that the Esper or the, the summons had some sort of, like, movement to them. Like, not much, just like a few frames of, like, a, a gesture implying that they are producing the magic, not just like a sprite that wishes away on yeah. screen and that's it, which is how this game was. It was just like a sprite showed up, a magic thing happened and the sprite flew away. It wasn't like the sprite moved at all, though it, they could have, it wouldn't have been that difficult. Did we see the ending? The ending was beautiful. Yes. And yet like they couldn't have just animated the sprites for the, the espers. I, I don't know. That was my thing. It was going between an eight and a nine. Okay. Um, there. <laughs> this is kind of petty of me, I guess, but like the the like textures, if you will, or like the patterns that they lay down, you see them mirrored a lot, and that bothers me. Hmm. Like the clouds, you could see it being mirrored a lot. A lot of the cliffs, the cliffs. Um. I couldn't figure out what was a door and what was just the cliffs being weird because they mirrored it. I had that problem too. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I mean, they were good. Like, especially after things were being destroyed, like the destroyed houses and stuff, like placing them in the water. Looked I mean, that really was good, really yeah. good. Um, but I, I guess it's just nothing really, really stood out. I, I don't know. I, I guess like, it's hard to explain. I don't <laughs> okay. know. That's just it. I, I wasn't you blown like, away. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think that... N not that it's fair to compare to... Uh, I, I guess the only compared game in all of Super Nintendo would be maybe Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is like uh, also a 10 out of 10 in graphics to me. Um, Chrono Trigger has so many good design choices all the way through. This game wasn't quite to what Chrono Trigger is. Um, I did see a lot of like weirdly placed graphics that 
you know, yeah, it was kind of awkwardly placed, but it didn't distract me at all from the concept. Um, there was a few spots where, like you said, I couldn't tell if it was a door or if it was just like a cliff because it was kind of hidden. Um, but I mean, it just was kind of like bad choices by the developers, <laughs> not necessarily like the graphics having a problem. Sure. Um, but like the magic looked amazing. Oh, magic looked really good, especially when you um, hit multiples and it was yeah, oh, so satisfying. Yeah, it was. Oh. Um, uh, that, that said, though, a little disappointed with, not all, but some of the, like, more ultimate magic, for, like, Meteor, we were discussing this earlier. I was not impressed yeah. with Meteor. I was kind of like, oh, it's this animation again. Yeah, uh, yeah. And usually I was just associating it with being pummeled to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ultima was pretty cool. Yes, I liked Ultima. Flare was not impressive at all. <laughs> like, I actually didn't it was, see Flare. You didn't? No, because oh, yeah, I you probably saw it by the other oh, enemies. I might have, yeah. It was like Must not have been it was like a red spot that hit you and like grew out. Oh, and then yes. it would like turn red again and like have these little beams of like fire energy spreading out. And that like the screen bad. would kind of like darken too when it happened. I mean it wasn't was spectacular, but it was cool. I again comparing it to Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger did their magic way better. <laughs> like Lightning 2 is, like, the coolest move yeah. in the game. <laughs> or, like, Luminaire. Luminaire. Oh, yep. my gosh. We need to play that game. <laughs> that game's going to end up being a 10 out of 10 in every category. I did like, though, the variety in the characters, especially their designs. I loved Setzer, by the way. Did you really? <laughs> I, his character was just wasn't too impressive, but I really liked his design. I... I liked his design okay, but I didn't really like him at all. Like, oh, he really? was not memorable. He was just, like, a filler for I, somebody to fly that. He was, like, I, Sid number two. I enjoyed... He didn't have a backstory, but a side story that I actually really liked. I think they could have merged Sid with him. Yeah, that would have been cool. I think that they could have, like, somehow... They should have. He was with the airship. He, he somehow, like, Sid sneaks away and kidnaps... Maria, you know, at the opera house, and then I don't know. Um, I also liked the little like animations because they didn't do it very often, but like the little like finger shaking and the ah, 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 and I, winking. I love laughing. <laughs> yes, the the winking was really funny. Uh, Locke, when you go into um, Narsh towards the end of the game, Locke has to unlock all the doors for you to be able to get in. And he, he like, walks up and he kind of knocks on the door and then he turns around and winks and then opens the door. (laughs) And if you go there without Locke in your party, you can't, you just walk up and it says locked. You know, so I knew ahead of time all those doors were locked and then you bring Locke in and he's like, ha ha, and then he opens the door. It's so, it's so cool. It's so fun. Some of the chuckling animation it's it's hysteric when seeing it from Kefka because you know he's insane. Yeah. But it's also charming when it's your characters because there's of course this game is very dark. Yeah. And so when they're laughing, it's just kind of, it seemed almost genuine at first sprite. I guess. No, it, they they portrayed emotions really yeah. well. And that was part of what I liked about it too, is that all all the sprite animations were really, really good at portraying mo- emotion. And even when, like, uh, 
they had a moment where uh, I think it was the opera house where sh- um, Celeste is like crying over the balcony. And you can see the little yeah, sparkles the, of tears. Really good just those. like it was so emotional and powerful. And it just, it, by the way, to I, be done on a Super Nintendo with sprites like this is amazing. I loved her design for that. I did too. Really yeah, cute. it was so cute. I also really, well, we talked about this earlier, but I really liked Tara's like trance. I thought mm-hmm. the hair was a little. I don't want to say it was too much, but it was crazy. Um, but it, like the the trance colors, they did so good on that. And like, <laughs> I find it funny that you call them trance because that's a thing that happens in. That's what it's called in my game. Oh, is it? Yeah, See, for trance. me, it's called morph. Oh, really? Yeah, that she morphs into oh, Esper form. So I mean, it makes sense, I guess. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I, I didn't know that either. Um, in your game, you have little like sprite uh, oh, the icons pictures, during yeah. the dialogue. And that would have helped me a lot. I played the original Super Nintendo version, so like I didn't. There was some things that they changed in right. the different versions, and that was something that I think would have really helped the game, because a lot of times I wasn't entirely sure who was talking. Most of the times I could kind of figure it out depending right. on who was in the group and where they were positioned, but I didn't entirely know. Uh, but I mean, it didn't d- distract it any. The one last thing I wanted to mention also was that. I guess actually I would like to change it to nine because it seems like I have a lot of good points and less bad points. Um, but they didn't palette swap a whole lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were very original. Yep. Every area was very, had very unique character enemies. Um, every now and then you would see like, Oh yeah, I saw these guys in this area and they were a little different, but not, not, not a whole often, lot. Yeah. No. Not a whole lot. And it was usually like the, puny petite enemies yeah. that didn't matter so yeah i'm changing my graphics to a nine. Oh man we're changing you convinced me i convinced me but yeah there's there's definitely a lot more good than bad i suppose i wasn't blown away with some of the stuff but it definitely uh, some of those enemies so let's talk about the ending a little bit um the ending like visuals they had like okay so the boss fights were really satisfying as far as like the ending goes and the boss kefka himself was awesome he looked so awesome he kind of had that like that like renaissance painting yeah look to him like the winged angel like renaissance painting look where he was extraordinarily muscular yeah. and very elegantly placed he and was very po- he was posed post- like loungy and like elegant but like still had that like masculinity to him i don't know it was really cool yeah. um he also was like sitting on a tower of like a bunch of espers at least that's what i associated him with that you had to fight your way up to kefka and that was pretty cool. Like when you fought, when fighting he, him up was really cool. Like you fought all the espers, kind of climbing the tower to him. And um, as you're fighting him, like they die, and then you move to the next section, and then they die, and you move to the next section, which kind of plays into gameplay a little bit. But in any case, like you get to the top, and there he is, like lounging on this like throne with some like creepy head, and. Um, <laughs> He's accompanied by a creepy head. He doesn't have... Well, he kind of has a creepy head, but it's not his yes. head. Somebody else's head. And, um, you know, the head ha- d- does damage to you, too. I had that and then, head like, once. And then, like, you, you, you had that once? 
The head? You talking about the head that pops up out of nowhere? No, I was just talking about the like like floating head with Kefka, like when oh, he's okay. sitting on the top of the I think I know the top right. of the tower. Anyway, so you you kill him, you kill him there, and then like you move up even further, and Kefka like falls down from the heavens, and he's like this angel and of destruction, and it's just it's cool, it's really really cool, and he does a lot of unique moves that you don't see anywhere else in the game, and I expect that from a final boss. That's what I want. That said, he was easy, but we'll talk about that in gameplay. You know, the whole feel of this game kind of has a theme with, like, the opera and the, like, like you said, the renaissance, the medieval type the, of feel. Like, there was a specific, like... It's kind of, like, like, um, orchestrated in a way that sounds a lot like, uh, like a church, like a, uh... Cathedral. cathedral feel yeah a lot of it is very cathedral feeling they did good it, they did they did really <laughs> good so after you kill kefka he does his like shaky oh. fall apart like crumbly thing which was awesome and then you have your like cut scene where the team like flies away and like you have these like little things that's like you know tara as tara whatever her last name is and then you know you go on to all the characters and they all have like their weapons or something signifying them on like right. a table and that it was like animated really well it just looked really good for again for a super nintendo game this was awesome it just looked so cool yeah. <sighs> i could go on and on i, I know you could. have so much love for this it was so cool um all right i'm okay to go to gameplay if you're ready gameplay <laughs> gameplay i gave it a nine out of ten i also gave it a nine out of ten um i kind of want to talk about some of the bad stuff because the good stuff is too easy to talk about um the random encounters was a little bit high in a oh lot of gosh. areas compared to the first final fantasy <laughs> that game broke me <laughs> in ways realized. i've never been broken before <laughs> i know i know it was bad but you missed out on an item that saved me if it weren't for this item i don't know if i had beaten this game <laughs> not time. in the time restraints yes. yeah um but there is an action you don't get it till later but there's an item you can get it's only usable by one of the characters but it stops the random encounters i didn't know i didn't know and I'm tempted to go back in my game and just see if it's there. I think... I don't know what happened, but you get a character called Mog, which is a Moogle. Is a Moogle, yeah. Um, and I just so happened to walk forward and press my one of my buttons. And, and boop, it was, was just sitting there um, <laughs> for you. And, you know, I was kind of using a guide on and off. I had no idea. It was just... I didn't I know. just so happened to walk up and pick this up. Yeah. Thank goodness I did because I needed it. Back. Well, see, okay. So your gameplay style was different than mine. I... When you get to the world of Ruin, you are given Celeste, and then you can go and find characters from there. And you kind of, more or less, you have a selection of who you want to pick up and who who you don't. And um, when you get to a like a party of four, you can level those guys up as high as you want, and then you can go and get the rest of the characters. You did it that way. I didn't. I didn't even know. I didn't even cross my mind. I just was like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. Next next party, next next person, you know, next character. 
And pretty soon I had all my characters, except they were all like level 30 and under. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm severely under level. Well, not severely, but I was pretty under leveled for fighting, you know, going to the last dungeon. So I had to spend what appears to be an extra 10 hours in just like leveling up all oh. the characters, which you have to do because the final dungeon you split into three teams of four. And if your characters aren't like leveled up sufficiently, you're not going to be able to get through that dungeon or if you don't have some sort of wonderful strategy. And that was the only way I was able to get through it was to spend a bunch of time leveling up all my characters basically one by one, because in the, the dungeons that have decent experience points, I couldn't kill with like all of my low level characters. I had to have like two or three good characters and then like a low level one to just absorb experience. Luckily you told me about the experience egg. Otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get through this game in the time restraints either. But you know, that's one of the things I want to talk about gameplay too. There are so many strategies you could take to beat this game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. There were so many strategies that I was taking for your different parties. Like there was just, there's there's just a lot <laughs> i mean there is there's a lot of different options there's a lot of mold moldability with the way this game is set up so everyone can learn magic after you get the magic site and everyone can learn any magic level grinding there was a couple different places that offered a lot of experience mm-hmm. points and a lot of ability points yep. which was awesome the level sinking which unfortunately for you didn't work it out was but not, that was it worked nice. out it worked out pretty good early game because yes. you were always like rotating party members so like they always kind of kept up with you and you didn't start doing the magic thing until pretty close to halfway so like the magic didn't really matter any you know it was really just a matter of staying leveled up and that was nice and easy when you kept rotating characters out and the new characters that come in matched your level that your party was already at. I had one character who did not level sync. I noticed that. I don't know why. It was really weird. He was like level 20 something. Yeah, I know. And which is funny, it was Gao. Yeah. Which who, he didn't matter anyway. I used him early on and he was a really strong character. Before I was doing like four digit uh, damage, he was doing four digit damage. Yeah. And... I, I put him down actually as my bad for this because I did not like how you absorb or how you got his attacks. Yeah. Um. I realized that it was just like a different thing for you to do, but it was such a pain in the butt, and it, it was a long process. I have to say that this game's um like theme uh maybe theme isn't the right word, but this game's like gimmick was the party like rotation thing and the party split thing yeah. and i think that like having all these different te- uh, having all these different uh characters with unique abilities was their gimmick of this game and you know they tried to change it up as best they could and gao just kind of didn't fall short yeah it, yeah it was it was a cool concept but like you could only get new abilities or new like mon- what 
for those of you who haven't played the game, which is weird that you're listening to this and you haven't played the game, but uh, if you haven't, it's okay. Um, Gao is like this boy, wild boy. Wild boy. He uh, he grew up in the in the wild with animals, and he learns their abilities by going out with them so not necessarily animals but like all the monsters now as you play the game you encounter more and more monsters and those monsters can all be found after you've encountered them once can all be found in one very specific area and this area is where he grew is, up. Is yeah. also where Gao can go with the monsters. It's the only area. Right. Is, and, and Gao can go with the monsters and learn their ability, basically learning how to be that monster, and then rejoins your party with that ability. I don't know how it was for you, but for mine, thankfully, if you encounter like three enemies, three different enemies in one battle, you learn all of their enemies. Oh, really? I didn't notice. I did um, I did it like maybe well, a little bit. It, that was helpful because right. sometimes you wouldn't get him up to like four or five battles after that. I don't know how, yeah, how what the it was, highest was. It, but it, it, sometimes it was, it was ridiculous. And it was such a long process. Mm-hmm. And at first it was okay, but then I started getting crunched for time and it's like, I'm not... This is dumb. (laughs) And by the end, my strategy had changed completely anyway. But because of his low level, I don't even... I barely used him. Yeah. He was in my my poor party. (laughs) I I enjoyed the concept like it was a smart unique take on like the beast master sort of deal like the you know in in some of the previous final fantasies you have like a beast caller and he was kind of that where he took on the personality of a monster and then he could do those moves and you could pick which monster you wanted him to be but um it just the the way that you gain those abilities was kind of meh. Speaking of, I also I want to nitpick at this because I also had this problem with Sabin. Um, for Gao's different moves, it just shows the monster that he has learned the ability. It doesn't tell you what they do, what kind of, and it berserks you into just using that or like that's there's like set moves, which is crappy, but. With the same thing with Sabin, though, like I did, you would have to go into the menu. You couldn't see these things in the battle menus for Sabin's blitz, different blitz attacks. I would have to look it up on my phone. For one thing, I can't remember combinations to save my life. But if I didn't know, you know, I, I we didn't realize this till we also just looked at the booklet. But it's in the booklet. <laughs> yeah, it is in the booklet. I don't yeah. know if Gao's stuff is. But, I think it is. Yeah, everybody's is in um, there. That would have been helpful, helpful. <laughs> because I could. I at one point I was stuck in a battle with Gao. I accidentally selected a monster a monster move that does water damage, and it was healing the boss I was fighting. And so I was stuck trying to do. And more there's not much you could do other than healing. killing him. Yeah. Um. For Sabin, who uses the Blitz attack, basically Blitz was like you had to do a it's key martial arts. You had to do like a key combos. combination in order to do that move. And he had, like, what, a set of, like, eight, maybe? Yeah, something like that. And um, if you didn't know the key combination, then you couldn't do the move. You wasted a turn. Right, yeah, yeah. And Or if you mess up, you yeah. wasted a turn. And you could cancel out and try again, but sometimes you don't realize that you even messed up until it's too late. Uh, but also, in the, like, active battle screen, you don't see the key combinations at all. 
The only way to see the key combinations is either in the booklet or looking it up online or through the the menu. like main menu outside of battle, which doesn't help if you're in, in the middle battle. of battle. Um, I understand your complaint. Suck it up, Buttercup. No, it was more <laughs> like the the combinations didn't bother me a whole lot. Like they were all really pretty simple, and they were all very similar to each other. That it was like, okay, if I want to do the fire one, I do this. If I want to do the the wind one, I do this. If I want to do the super one, I do this. I think you have a specific way of remembering. I, it. I don't want to fault the game for my dyslexia. But I think <laughs> yeah. that is part of the problem sure. I was having because there was be oftentimes where I was doing it in the reverse order. Yeah, I had that too sometimes. Um, but I still think it would have been helpful if it had just even show cuz there was menu space for I know. this. I think that they didn't want to. I think that they wanted you to remember the move set. There's too many characters for this though. I, I, I understand. Yeah, characters. I get it. But I think that that was a deliberate thing. Sure. Otherwise, you could have just went through the menu and just selected it. What what would what would what would have been the point? You know, they wanted something unique and that's that's what they came up with and I I liked it. I thought it was cool. I thought it was I honestly thought it was quicker than going through a menu process. To just do the combination oh, instead saying. of having to go, okay, select blitz, go all the way down to this one, that, hit, hit it, choose my enemies. That's fair, but I mean, if there's been a significant amount of time since you've used Sabin. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You forget the moveset and then you gotta look it up. My favorite character to use was Edgar. Oh yeah, his... Um, different like his tools mechanics yeah. yeah oh it was so helpful it was pretty cool and a lot of them were really good too a lot of them were really really good i didn't use the crossbow past like the first quarter of the game but like flash i did a lot flash, drill drill noise blaster confused all well, the enemies yeah what was really cool is the chainsaw because sometimes it was kind of like odin sometimes the chainsaw would just they would just vanish <laughs> like there was no like amount of damage that he did he just killed them <laughs> like it was just like yeah they're dead <laughs> that reminds me of the uh summons um well it, it made me think about uh, mm -hmm. vanish vanish yeah. is a magic but also you can use the esper phantom yeah and it makes your party invisible which helps it, I, that was one of the strategies it helps, i used it helps with the physical attackers but um being able to use these espers they had all their different effects all their learnable magic and it it was a great way it was a great use of the magic system and no one was confined to only learning white magic only right learning yeah black magic, i like that too this kind of magic. everyone technically could learn all the magic and i had edgar edgar was my character yeah. that knew i think almost everything i it seemed like for whatever reason edgar and cyan in my game, they learned magic way quicker than the rest. Oh. I don't know if it was that way or if it was just coincidence, but it really seemed like that for whatever reason, those two knew way more magic than the rest of them. I, like I had a few that had very specific, like, okay, Tara is going to learn the high level stuff. She has a lot of MP. She has the morph or trance, trance that, that, boosts her magic ability not that you still had a, a cat a damage cap of 9999 so there was no point in really using it for me but it was um, cool i didn't use cyan a whole lot in fact i completely skipped his like doma castle his backstory thing which 
was nice for me because I was on a time crunch. And I could just tell you, yeah, don't do that. Just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, on the flip side, that's just more extra back backstory that. Right. Is- I mean, you could have done it. It wouldn't have been that long. Oh, we were, I was crunched for, for time. you. <laughs> it wouldn't have taken that long because you had the Moogle who could have walked through it, just ran through the stupid thing. But for me, it was a pain in the butt. Although that said, I needed to level grind anyway, so like it was a good thing that I did. You know, you gave me the heads up and that my party needed to be. I think you said you'd beat it at like level 50-ish. So all of my characters were at level 50 by the time I officially started collecting everyone. <laughs> so by the time you actually got to Kefka, they yeah, were like they were almost like, 60. <laughs> they were like walking around all bumpy. Like, Where's Kefka? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> uh, but I, I did. it did make the game significantly easier and more like less stressful. And because I was in a time crunch. Right, like yeah, just, it made it a lot easier. And I could just level grind at home. I hate level grinding, but actually it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was long, but it wasn't too bad in this yeah. game. Especially with all the different... Stra- you find a strategy that works for you. you stick goal. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and really, the strategy for the final... The boss fights at the end were kind of the same. Like, once you had a handful of characters that had Ultima or flare and or all the cures or you know that that kind of stuff it was like you spam the same like four moves you either were curing he or like using life or cure in some aspect or you're using ultima meteor like that was it (laughs) auto life was a savior really i didn't use it that much i i what you told me, it was a savior to me because sure. there was a couple times where I needed it. I didn't even know that was an option in this game. I was really surprised. That I it was. was too. Yeah, when I got, I I saw life two in my game. It was life two for Mine you. It was, was like, like rise. Oh no, like yours was a raise. A raise. Re re raise. You had rise, a raise. Oh, oh yeah. And, and then, then re-raise. So mine was life one, life two, life three. My life two, your a-raise, was like way above what I thought it should have been if they had a number three. So I'm like, okay, so if life two completely heals your character all the way up, what does life three do? And then I read it and I'm like, that can't be like <laughs> auto life. I'm like, no way. And then I started reading into it. And I'm like, sure enough, that's what it was. It, it was blew a my mind. Use yeah, for the record. But what do you mean? Well, if you die, it's not like it stays on you. Oh yeah, but you could just recast it again. Right. Um. Yeah. It just there were there was one fight that it was absolutely mandatory. Um. Kefka's fight, he would he 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 was a tricky one. <laughs> so like you fight Kefka has four stages to his fight you have the first like two stages while you're climbing the kefka tower or like the tower of espers that he's sitting on then you fight kefka at the very top and then you fight kefka again as like the angel of death kefka and um the the first kefka that you fight he he casts this like death spell on you and if you have re-rise on, he will cast it a second time. <laughs> and then so it's like, he's like, no, you are dead. <laughs> he's like, you're dead Die. twice. You are dead. So like, you have no choice but to fight with a different character. And I, I'll let me go into that too, because that's an interesting um, gameplay technique. So the final fight, 
because you have so many characters, um, you actually are given a list of all your characters that you brought with, and it's what um, sixteen characters or is it twelve? It's four There's times that, three, which is twelve. So there's twelve characters that you can choose from. Uh, there's a few more characters yes. than that in the game, but you could only take twelve, 12 characters yes. with you to Kefka. When you get to Kefka, you're given the list of twelve characters, and you have to put them in order that you want them to appear in the fight against Kefka. And because there's four different stages, each time you move up a stage, any dead characters will be replaced with the next ones in line. So if you have, you know, your first four, number five would be replaced with whatever one died. Number six would be replaced with whatever one died. So, like, you had the potential of, you know, kind of cycling through a handful of characters. It doesn't work if all of your characters die, you're done. Like if your four main if your four characters you're fighting with end up dying, then you are done. But you know, it gives you a chance to like use a handful of different characters throughout the Kefka fight, which was really unique. It was a very interesting way right. to go about it. Um that said, I only had to change the one character yeah, just like you same, did. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I put Umaru in there. And it was a dumb move, but it worked out okay. <laughs> like, okay, so I think Locke ended up dying for me. And then you go into, like, the Death Angel Kefka fight. Yeah. And Umaru shows up. And I'm like, Umaru, <laughs> what are you doing here? He's he's a Yeti. Yeah. And he doesn't have any, like, stat... Or he doesn't have any equipable items. And he, all he... He auto-fights. So, like... You have I no control Like, over at him, first, yeah. I was like, oh, crap. This is gonna ruin the game. I'm gonna have to do something. I'm gonna have to fight it again. But then, like... It was like one less character to have to worry about. Like I could focus on those three. Like Tara had double cast, so like there was my extra double command. Cast was so nice. It was really nice. Tara had double cast, and the rest of my characters I could just keep spamming Ultima or Cure Three, whatever I needed, and I just got through it super quick. And he was pretty easy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that the the fight with Kefka was maybe 10 minutes long. Like yeah, if that, I it was really easy. It was probably the least stressful final I, boss of the final fantasy series so far. But you know, it kind of made it enjoyable. It did. Yeah. You it got to really, it wasn't like tough, but it wasn't super, like you had to pay attention. Right. Yeah. Doing. If you weren't paying attention, you'd have died. But like, if you were just making sure that you were using cure when you needed to use cure, you were yeah. using life when you needed to use life, you were fine. Um, Last thing that I have on my list. Okay. Um, kind of insignificant. I know you have input. Um, I had like very minor glitches. Yeah, um, I kind of noticed it too. Some things like I, I flipped a switch and it didn't do the switch thing it was supposed to do yeah. until I went back into the room and redid it. Um, but then so it's little stuff like that wasn't a big deal, but I did notice there's like some things were like, wait a minute, that's not how that was. A sec-. Like, I was like missing people. Yeah. Um, the dog. Yeah, the dog. I don't think that was a glitch. I uh, no, I you're I right. think I I was side by side. Sure, yeah. I this was an issue with the way that they built the game. So there's an area where you go to get Terra, and Terra is hidden in this like bookcase, like a stairwell bookcase, and you have to follow the dog down the stairwell. But when I went to the stairwell, the dog did his thing and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> and then I came back like 
six hours later not not even in the same like gameplay session it was like three or it was like three or four gameplay sessions later i didn't even remember there was a dog there so i i'm there looking for tara i'm like i have no idea where tara's at i'm like i have no idea i'm like is she even in this town I, i had no clue no npc gave you any hints it was just like I just go find had no idea where she was. And I looked in the in the guide that I had, and they're like, follow the dog to Tara. I'm like, follow the dog. I'm like, there's two dogs and neither of them are moving. I'm like, where am I supposed to go? So then I had to look it up online. And when you walk into that room, sure enough, there's a dog that runs up and goes down the stairs. And I didn't know. I didn't notice it either. And you were expect you were watching to see if I would, and I yeah. had no oh, idea my, yeah. yeah you didn't if you know weren't there i would have been stuck yeah um yeah it was just a weird quirk to the way that they designed that spot like i understand where they were going but if you're not paying attention to that dog going down the stairwell you would have no idea that she was there yeah. no idea um and the dog doesn't do it a second time like if you leave yeah, and come back it, it's it's gone so what they should have done is had that be a looped animation animation so like every time you go in that room that dog goes down the stairs i think (laughs) that would have solved the problem but they didn't do that it was a one-time deal and if you missed it you were out and i missed it and i i had to look it up luckily we have the internet now so because my guide and i use like the original final fantasy 3 super nintendo guide a little bit when i needed it and looking it up on there didn't tell me anything looked it up on the anthology guide didn't tell me anything uh, again other than follow the dog and i'm like where do i follow the dog to so yeah that was kind of annoying i did get stuck in one other spot in kefka's tower uh in the final dungeon you have to like follow the the characters all have to like unlock doors to help the other characters get through because you're in parties of three and there was one spot where you unlock the door and you can just continue on. And I did that. I continued on. I got to the other room that I was supposed to go to, but my other two parties were like stuck in this room and I had no idea why. And I had to, I looked it up in all my guides and they're like, there's a door that's right here. You just use the door. And I'm like, there's no door there. So then I had to go all the way back with my main, with my party that moved on. I had to come back and there was a switch that I missed and I just didn't know. Like I had to look it up again. You had no ring. <laughs> no, 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 no encounter ring. Yeah, I know. And this whole time, I'm fighting all these random encounters, driving me insane. Ugh. I probably spent a good hour stuck there. <laughs> That's why I let you go farther ahead than me, so, <laughs> so I, I can I can deal with all go. the issues, yeah. and then I can just be like, okay, do this. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll save you so much headache. Just do this. Well, I have to say, this game. You saved me the most on. <laughs> I needed I I needed to be sat down, honestly, to play this game. I I can't, this is a topic that I want to talk about on our um, Zap chats. Oh. Um, is handheld versus TV mode? Oh yes. And I want to talk about this because this game was a great subject for that because I did a little bit of both. I have a super super game boy super game boy and it's basically a handheld super nintendo and i use that for like level grinding and playing it when the few times that you came over while i was playing i was trying to do story stuff and i wasn't it wasn't happening 
And hooking it up to the TV was a very different experience. But I, I want to talk about that on our Zap Chats. Yeah. Like, we don't have to talk about it now. But it was very different in experience. And I think that had you maybe spent a little more time with the, the TV, TV, I think you would have been a little right. more engaged and you would have been able to focus a little better. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. Maybe not. But... This game definitely was difficult to get into and stay into, and I don't know if it was the game or if it was my personal, like, the crap that's going on in my life that's a little more distracting than me playing Final right. Fantasy VI. I don't know, but it's just just the way my experience was this time around. Well, last but not least. Yeah, let's talk about music. I loved it. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Really? Yeah. What bothered you? It wasn't memorable to me till really? the end. Till the end. What? Till the end. <laughs> Every know. song was oh, memorable to me. Even the, the like piano. What was the song called? You just looked this up. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. There's a few strange oddball ones. Yeah, but I they were like, they were weird. But like they fit the mood of the game for that them, spot. There's a few of them that I really didn't like. Um. Not any off the top of my head. Okay. Like the overworld, especially the world ruin. I don't know if it was different in the regular world of non-ruin, but <laughs> that one was kind of meh to me. I mean, I still give it a 9 out of oh, 10. Oh, yeah. No, it's no. Still it's amazing. fine. You can give it whatever score you want. I, I just am surprised. I don't think... This also might be reflected, though, because I did have such a hard time playing this game. But um, I didn't really acknowledge how much I loved the boss music till the very end, especially playing it on the TV. But then the end boss music was just the as amazing. The final, the final, what is it like? Dancing Mad, I yeah, think it's called. Like that. Oh man, that is the best song in the game. That you is know, easily the best song, this, maybe in the whole series. This is the first. That's, uh, that's a tough one. This is the first time I've played six. I know I'm one of the oddballs. However, I remember hearing Dancing Man. I remember enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I didn't really enjoy it till I actually played the game, though. Like it's that's it's changed my mind on. I this think song. it's funny how that song starts with the like organ playing, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> like the, 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 it's the, like the, the, way over dramatic. The title screen, but you don't realize that that's the final boss music until you get to the final yeah. boss, and it's way it, it's dramatically fitting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the title screen, it's a little more like, why is this so dramatic? You know, because all the previous games, the title screen is the like typical, da -da 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 -da, you know, whatever that is. Right. Um, the the typical Final Fantasy like crystal theme song. Um, but yeah, Kefka, Kefka's music in general was really good. His boss fight, but also also his theme song, is just it's fitting. It's fitting for his craziness. It just, it, it's great. It's Lots wonderful. Lots of parallels with Seven. A I hate lot. to talk about Seven because it hasn't come into existence yet. For, but, for our podcast. Right. <laughs> but having played Seven, and since you mentioned Chrono Trigger earlier, I can do this now. <laughs> oh my gosh, Seven. Like, there's... The parallels to Seven I mean, are... There are a few other, like, I could hear different different songs from different games as well, but mostly Seven Mostly Seven. Out. It really kind of felt like Six, Final Fantasy Six was almost like Final Fantasy Seven's beta. Like, yeah, really. like Final Fantasy Seven, like 
test run. Like they were going to do Final Fantasy 7 and they're like, you know, some of these story elements <laughs> would fit better for a different game, so let's just cut them out of this one and put them in this one. And then like it turned into a, a different game, but it, like still had so many similarities and parallels. Um I mean the story was very much like 7 in multiple aspects not in every like, element the outline yeah like like the structure some some of the structure was very similar to seven obviously it's it's not seven right it's it's, it's, it's very it's, different it's but different it, but the similarities are strong um but the music really is very very similar and um, there were times where i was like is this is this seven playing? What it, are the caves? Uh, there was there's <laughs> some that like I I swear I can hear like Ares's theme like in it, and like there are some that have like little like little segments of the song that sounds like another song from seven, and I'm like oh my gosh this is this sounds so much like seven, and then it like won't be, and I'm like it sounded like seven though, <laughs> like it's it's just. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't really know, like, I don't know what their, what, what the process was when they were, you know, how close the two games were, like, time related. You would think, though, that when they're building the songs from six and then they go to seven, that they wouldn't reuse any of the melodies from any of the past games. I mean, unless they specifically wanted to. It was very interesting to me that they had so many similarities. I mean, that said, Final Fantasy VII's music is more Super Nintendo-esque. It's more, you know, 16-bit sound than, you know, maybe 8 or 9 is way more enhanced in in the music. But, like, 7 is very, like, like, limited. It's, like, on the border. Yeah, it kind (laughs) of is. Between the two. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, things definitely improved, but there was still... It's almost... Maybe it's because they were originally planning it to be on the Nintendo 64, and then they, like, bumped it up to the PlayStation, so, like, they had those, like, old 8-bit songs instead of the nicer ones. I don't know. This isn't about Final Fantasy VII. It's about Final Fantasy VI. And the music was amazing. I loved it. I loved every single song. I... I... I can't say that I disliked any songs. Um, really, even the sound effects were really good. Yeah. Um, the magic sounds. The airship, like, yeah. had, there was a few airship noises that were made. I mean, just, you know, it was just, it was neat. It was Kefka's a good... Kefka's laugh. Kefka's laugh, man. That is the most iconic sound yeah. in all of the Super Nintendo genre. Like, I can't think of any other sound other than, like, the Mario coin. Like, mm. but there's, there's very few sounds of the Final Fantasy... Uh, sorry... Very few sounds in the Super Nintendo like library that it's like that, that is, is from yeah. that game. And Kefka's laugh is like instant. Like anybody who is anything about Final Fantasy in general knows Kefka's laugh. It's just I it's, like the, it's great. I like the sound, yeah. So uh overall. Overall, I gave it an 8 out of 10, which seems weird. Because mine's a 9 out of 10. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I will bump it up to a 9 at least. My biggest problem was I had such a hard time getting into it 
And I don't know if that, again, I'm not really sure if that was a story issue because I feel like it kind of was. It was kind of boring and dry the first like 10 hours of the game. And then you get to like, I got to the opera house and just fell in love with the game again. And then I wanted to play it. And then we got to the second half of the game and it was kind of boring again. So that was like my biggest flaw of the game as a whole, which is why I think I gave it more of an eight because I was bored about half of the game. (laughs) My thing is, I always have this problem. I don't know why. I just am a natural procrastinator. I work better in a deadline-induced panic. The overall when i when i'm scoring all of this stuff i'm like apparently i loved this game i remember having a hard time sitting down and doing it i think the mentality of knowing that this is going to be a very long game is what intimidated me i thought that too but but like still i don't know for me the story was amazing the gameplay made this game super playable and Mm -hmm. easily moldable to you as a person that i think overall this game deserves it probably would even deserve a 10 but i'm harsh (laughs) (laughs) well i i think i'm gonna stick with my eight i think that my this gameplay for me like every individual section had its flaws and its strengths and like obviously you know i love the graphics i love the music like everything else was nine and ten, but like as a whole, my and that's and that's what the overall score is for. As a whole, the gameplay for me, I I kind of got bored too much, and I think that that I don't I, again I, I'm not saying that the game itself was a boring game because it wasn't. It just for whatever reason, every time I sat down to play the game, I would find myself falling asleep or. I would just not be into it and want to stop. And I think that's why we've drug it out as long as we have. Literally, we're uploading this on the 1st of September. This is the 1st of September. We are recording the day this goes live. So literally, you're hearing... You're hearing what we're we're recording just a few hours ago. So, like, you know, we're, we're... pushing it to the very last minute and even then i was i'm like i don't know if we're gonna do this i don't know if we're gonna make it to the first right and that's why we didn't want to push it out again so i really just kind of feel like yeah maybe it does deserve an eight as as far as my personal gameplay goes it just I, I, i found myself bored too much i would be interested to several years from now go back to visiting different games yeah yeah absolutely and seeing how we would score them different because not that we have to dive into this, but where I am specifically in my life and where you are, like we're in very unique situations this month and last month yeah. and month before where I think that might have an actual impact. Yeah, on, sure. Um, which is, I think probably one of the reasons why I scored it so high is because to me, when I'm looking at this, I go, apparently I liked this game. It's just, it was such a struggle to play this game yeah, for me. Yeah. And I really think that that is part for me, mm-hmm. just where I am with in my life right now. For this specific time, it was just hard to sit down to play any game. Yeah. I, I want to say that that was the case for me as well. And I mean, it, it sucks that that kind of affects my overall view of the game that like, yeah, at this point in my life, I'm going through weird things that I wouldn't otherwise, you know, if I was going through my normal day to day, I wouldn't normally be dealing with that. But like, it shouldn't reflect on the game, but it kind of did because my brain, it, it didn't pull me in enough that my brain was maybe elsewhere. I think this would be a very interesting Zap Chats topic. Yeah, yeah well, sure. I mean, really think about it. 
for me, it used to be that I went to games to escape reality, where this was more of a, I have to do this. Yeah. And, that and is... maybe that's where, you know, because we've been doing this for a podcast for so long now, maybe that's kind of where it's heading to. Like, I have to get this done. Again, though, a very long game. We knew it was a long yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Intimidating. And I think that had had we actually dedicated ourselves earlier, I think we would have... Yeah. Because I, I didn't really dedicate myself to this game until, like, September 1st. And I'm like, oh crap! We have to, do this you know. And now. here now it's October first, and it's like due today, literally yeah. today. This is October first, and it's due today. So I don't know. But in any case, in any That's case, a chat for another zap chat. I know. Um, I really did enjoy the game. I mean, an A isn't a bad experience. It's just there was a few, you know, sure. it it, it kind of bored me a little bit in some areas, and I docked it for it. I definitely think if you're a Final Fantasy fan and haven't played this oh, game, yeah. I understand why people say that this is the best. This is one of the greats, absolutely. Yes. I don't know. I don't think it's my favorite of all of them. <laughs> But I understand why some people feel yeah, that way. Yeah, absolutely. As as like a Super Nintendo era game goes, this is way high. I mean, obviously, it's towards the end of the Super Nintendo system right. itself. So like Square knew what they were doing, but it still was like, I don't know. It was, it was at its peak. It was a good game. You know, I can see where people really enjoyed it. Right. Would and could call it their favorite, or probably one of their first, or whatever. You know, yeah. for me that was seven. For other people, it was six or whatever. <sighs> so yeah, good game. I ended up giving it a forty-six out of fifty. Got a forty-five out of 50. forty-five. So that's a ninety-one out of a hundred. That's a that's an A. That's almost an A. It's an A minus. It's an A. We'll give it extra <laughs> extra credit. <laughs> um. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, awesome game. It really, truly is a great game. Uh, if you play it for the story, maybe use a few cheat codes. <laughs> there <laughs> if were you're, days. If you're playing it, if you're playing it. it just for the story, just toss a couple like you know cheat codes, cheat codes in there, and just have fun and enjoy the story because it's a great one. It really is. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about. There's a lot of um, secrets that we may not even know about. Um, there's so many different, you know, gameplay styles that you can take on this game that, you know, could be explored. I mean, you can make it really hard on yourself and try and stay under leveled the whole time. You could go into Kefka with just like Celeste and uh was Alka Seltzer. Alka Seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah. That's it for Final Fantasy Six. Um we're not playing Final Fantasy VII just yet. Um, it is in the near future. We have a couple other games that we want to play uh, before we start Final Fantasy VII. Want to get it out there before the remake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It will get done before the remake for sure. Um, but I, I noticed that playing some of the um, RPGs live, it wasn't happening very well. So I probably won't be playing any more RPGs streaming them. Not going to do seven? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just, it's too much like sitting and reading to myself 
and there's no one else in the chat room so it's like i'm reading to myself for no reason and it's dumb it's boring so yeah in any case um we will be playing seven very soon it won't be the next game but it will be coming up soon oh uh, we don't exactly know what the next game is gonna be i have a lot have, of different things popping there's up there's sure a handful of, of my friends that want to play a couple different games so i need to like work out exactly what we're gonna play next but we'll post it on our website for exactly what we're gonna be doing as soon as we know for sure uh but until then i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode of final fantasy 6 we worked really hard on this game and uh hopefully you can hear our dedication to the game <laughs> in this podcast um please review our podcast on pretty much any review or any podcast app um review us and we'll review you on yeah Zapchats. on Zapchats. yeah absolutely we will read all of our reviews on Zapchats. We specifically watch iTunes, so if you don't review us on iTunes, just shoot us an email and say, hey, I reviewed you on whatever app, and I'll read it out on our Zap Chats. You just gotta let me know. So, thanks again for listening to this episode. Um, if you want to see our pretty faces uh, on the computer or phone screen, you can go to our uh, YouTube channel, Zap, just look up Zap Night. Um, subscribe while you're there if you're watching us on there thank you and subscribe because you're awesome and uh, yeah we will see you guys on the next one bye